Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host, Paul Arnold. I'm joined by the odd couple. Yes, our version of the odd couple. Ernest Watts in Rockingham, North Carolina, and Nate Moyer in Trumbull, Connecticut. Yes, we're going to talk about sports, but really, we're going to talk about football, college football, pro football. Football is the best. It is the best. It's the the best time of the year, right, Ernest? Oh, yes. And last week, we got to see why the two best coaches ever are the two best coaches ever. I mean, Saban did what he always does. He found the weakness in Georgia. And Rat poison. Bennett the third. No, Stedman Bennett the third. Their quarterback is, he cannot win a game on himself. And that's pretty much what they did. They took everything away. They took the running game. The safeties took the wide receivers out. And Stedman Bennett, who's, who shouldn't be quarterbacking, he should be J2 Daniels, who lost his job because of an injury. He didn't get it when he recovered. But, I mean, again, it's this overriding, what is, what is Saban now? Nate, what is he, like 18-0 against former assistants? I thought he lost to one because he lost to Jumbo Fisher. Yeah, he Jimbo lost Fisher. to Jumbo. So he's like 18-1 and one now. It's something like that. Yeah, that's, that was something. Um, he showed sure, why well, he's the best. It's, he is. I mean, I'll give him credit that he is absolutely the best college football coach. I'm getting so annoyed with Alabama always being in the college football playoff. I get it. They're good. They're like the Yankees of the 90s. You were always excited when they didn't make the playoffs, unless you were a Yankees fan. Um, but, you know, I think there were so many people that were hoping, like, oh, gosh, ho- hopefully Georgia's just that good this year that they're going to beat them. And Alabama's going to have two losses, and they won't be in the playoff. How great is that going to be? They're not going to be in the playoff. Ohio State's not going to be in the playoff. Like, and of course, it doesn't happen. Who knows how much? Who knows if the SEC jumped in and said, "Hey, look, Georgia, you, you got to lose because we got to get two teams in the playoff." Who knows? And probably that game gave Bryant Young the Heisman. I mean, he's had games when he's been mediocre: the Texas A&M game, the Mississippi game, and really against Auburn, they should have lost in Auburn. That went to overtime, and Auburn had a big enough lead; they should have won that game. They should have. But that one game, I'm I'm going was we and I I would love for the defensive end from Michigan to win it. I would love for a defensive player because the last defensive player who won a Heisman was from where Paul, Michigan, Michigan. Charles Woodson. Yes, so I'd love to see Hutchinson win it in that respect. It's Hutchinson not going to happen though. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it won't happen. Not. But I'd like to see that too. Ernest. It's going like- to be young. It's going to be young. So uh, we got our matchups, right, guys? We got Michigan going against Georgia and uh, Alabama getting to buy a game against Cincinnati. We weren't going to see Georgia and <laughs> Cincinnati because that was the Peach Bowl last year, which was a great game. Well, and I, and I think they couldn't do Alabama Georgia back to back. That's what I would have. Oh no, liked that's to see. the money winner. That's that's they want to save that for the championship. Yeah, that's, that's big. That was very that's much great. set up. On purpose. That that's too bad too because I'd like to see. I would have liked to see like a Michigan Cincy game semi, and then um, Alabama Georgia let them beat themselves up, and then go into because it, it's just not exciting when it's the same conference in the national championship. I get that they're quote unquote the two best teams, whatever, but yeah, they got to change it so it's one conference champion. That's it. Pick one. That's it. I, I get it. I get yeah. that they're probably the two best teams, but if you can't win your conference, why on earth are you in the college football playoff? But they're going to add Oklahoma and Texas. Miami is making messages about it wants to join the Southeastern Conference. I mean, it's a monster that keeps feeding itself. 
it, it, you're pretty much in a position because the Southeastern football situation that you're at least always going to have two teams from the SEC in the, in the championship. Well, if they expand it, that's different. But I'm just saying the way it is now with four, I think it should be, it, it's got to be only one team from each conference can get in. I mean, it's it's tricky with like Notre Dame or, you know, independent like BYU. I mean, I don't think, I think Notre Dame's a big enough program that they can get in um, being an independent. But I, I don't know if it'd be tough for somebody like a BYU or, a, you know, one of the other, what are the four independent teams? Uh, actually, there's, there's Army, Navy, Air Force, BYU, and someone else we're not remembering. And Notre Dame, of course. Yeah, of course. Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. So you got five. Yeah. But, so, hey, yeah, guys. They, so, you know, we got our top four. And since he, you know, was undefeated, um, they beat some school from South Bend. Who who knew about that? Um but which team do you think had the best argument they should have been in instead of Cincy? You mean what are the four most talented teams as opposed to the four teams who had the best record? Yes, if you want to go that way, yeah. Okay. Um, wow. You know, it's you look at the scope of the season, and uh, I think Baylor's better than Cincinnati. I think Ohio State's better than Cincinnati. I think Texas A&M's better than Cincinnati. I, I think Iowa's better than Cincinnati. I think Utah. Yeah, I don't think Iowa is, but I think since I think Utah's better than Cincinnati. Yeah, I think the the Pac-12 team is. A, yeah, Utah ended up winning. They ended up beating Oregon. I I'd agree with that. I hate to say it, but I would agree Ohio State's better too. I don't like Ohio State. Um, I'd almost say Notre Dame, but the fact of the matter is they had the head-to-head. Notre Dame lost. They, I think Notre Dame didn't have a good game, um, and they've been playing a lot better as the season went on. Uh, so I'd say right now I'd say Notre Dame's better than Cincy, but at the end of the day, Notre Dame lost Cincy, so there's nothing they can do. Cincy deserve, deserves to be in over Notre Dame for that. They got the head-to-head. Nothing you can do about it. It's not like Notre Dame played at, you know, at Cincy. I think they played at home and they still lost. So it's, you know, all the I'd power be- to them. I venture to say if Oklahoma State had won, they would have been in instead of Cincinnati. I think so, but I, I, yeah. I would have I, – I think Cincy definitely deserves to be in. They're undefeated. They beat – uh, the number five team on their schedule. So they have a good signature win. It's not like they beat no ranked teams and they're undefeated. Like they, they beat Notre Dame and Notre Dame's five. Notre Dame's right on the outskirts. It's not like they beat a team that now's, you know, Oh, Notre Dame was at the time, whatever they were ranked. I think they were eight or nine. They beat them. Right. It's not like this team now. And then Notre Dame just fell off the rest of the season and they're unranked right now. Like they're number five. So they've got a really good win where, you know, the other ones like Alabama's got the loss to Texas A&M and um, Georgia's got a good loss, obviously, to Alabama. But, I mean, Michigan, who did Michigan lose to? Michigan lost to Michigan State, right? What's Michigan State right. ranked right now? Uh, they 11. lost. You know, see, they beat Penn State their last game. I think they're number 11. Yeah. And yeah. if you heard Tarbaugh, he made sure that everybody knew that the officials at Big Ten said that they – Shouldn't have called back that touchdown Hutchinson had all the way. But the yeah. bottom line is we have four teams that are, I don't know, they don't seem like superpower teams. After Georgia lost, Alabama looks like the clear favorite. So, Ernest, who do you, how do you pick them in these first two games? Uh, Alabama will beat Cincinnati by at least 21 points. I think Georgia and Michigan both have two great defenses. It depends on how stubborn their coach is. I think if JT Daniels was, they got enough time to put him back at starter. 
I think Georgia will beat Michigan, but I think it'll be a closer game than a lot of people. I think the spread is eight points right now. Yeah. So I think it'll be a closer game, and I think it'll be Georgia and Alabama, and I think Alabama wins again. Yeah, I I hate to I hate to agree with Ernest. Not because I don't like Ernest. I just I hate to agree because I don't want to see Alabama win. But I I I can't see Alabama losing. I, I just can't. I think it's, it's just... not it's not exciting radio. If you agree with me, <laughs> yeah. Now, now uh, Paul last week said he he is satisfied this year the fact that Michigan beat Ohio State. If they did not win any other games, he was content. Now, am I? Am I misrepresenting what you said last year in the last week? I still still hold by that stance. So the chance of being two wins from a national championship, something that you haven't done entirely on your own since what the forties? Oh yeah, that's right. They shared it. That that doesn't excite you. Do you do how do you feel about Georgia? You've seen Georgia. You watched the Alabama Georgia. For those who are listening, these two knuckleheads know, but my wife's from Georgia. That's where I met her. In fact, my first Christmas that we were together, she bought me a Georgia hoodie back in 1988. So, you know, that's a few years ago. So it's the first time we can remember in our lifetimes, Georgia and Michigan playing. So we're probably going to watch the first half and then make up and go out and see a movie probably. (laughs) Um I didn't say make out. I said make up. Um, okay. Yeah. So I think Georgia has will come with a vengeance, and I think it will be a real close game. It will come down to, I think, which quarterback doesn't throw the interception that he shouldn't. And based on that, I think Georgia should be favored by three, not by eight, if I'm concerned. It doesn't matter. Alabama's going to wipe out whoever coming to the final game. It's, it's They marry each other. Uh, Georgia and Michigan. They both go three deep at running back. Uh, they have quarterbacks that I tend to think are caretakers, and they both have terrific defenses with great defensive lines. Yeah, so let's talk about the coaches. I mean, nowadays, because the recruiting cycle is different, everybody's moving to change coaches before the bowl games, uh, and they can't wait to get at the Lincoln Rileys and the Brian Kellys of the world and then you have the yeah. second tier guys moving around from Clemson and Virginia and wherever. So Nate, we know you're a huge Notre Dame fan. All right, let us have it. Your your full take on Brian Kelly leaving. You know, I'm not that upset that he left. I think I'm more upset how he left. His team was on the brink of potentially being in the playoff. Why not wait a week? Just wait and find out if your team is in the is in the playoff before you make it. I think I mean, I don't, I can't speak for every Notre Dame fan, but honestly, like, I'd be like, okay, look, you're leaving prior to the Fiesta Bowl. I get it. That's not, that's not that big of a deal to me. It's just more of like, I felt like he just kind of abandoned the team. It's like they were, they had two losses and they were eliminated. Like, they were right there. Like, if one, one game goes the, another, another way, Notre Dame's in this playoff, right? And then he also hosed them too, because I think the playoff committee even mentioned coaching change is a, is a factor. Um, you know, if Notre Dame's in this discussion. And so that's my biggest issue. I, I get that he wants to go somewhere and get paid. I think he's probably limited with what he could do at Notre Dame with recruiting and academics. Um, and I, I don't know how much restrictions there have been between him and what he wants to do as a football coach with the University of Notre Dame. Um, so I, I get that part. But that that's what I think was more upsetting. It was just like, why couldn't you just wait a week? Like, 
you know, you, you work with somebody at LSU and be like, look, I, you know, it's probably going to happen, but I got to wait till this is, you know, this, I find out if my team's in there. And then honestly, if he made the playoff, I, I, I think there might be still hostility. Like, why are you leaving this team in the playoff? But it could have changed his mind too. I mean, you never know. He might've said like, you know what, I, I'm going to pass on LSU. Like my, I got my team in the playoff. Maybe I'll stay, you know? So I get it. Um, I think it's very telling. I think it's changed now, but I think it was very telling. None of his coaches went with him. I think that was huge. I think that really showed when a lot of them decided to stay with um, Freeman, the new coach. Um, I think that was very telling. Like, it's not like half his staff was like, yeah, we're going with you to LSU. Like, he didn't get anybody. And I think he got, like, the assistant strength and conditioning coach a couple days ago to go down there with him. Like, okay, like, it's not the strength and conditioning coach, it's the assistant. Um, so it's not like he's bringing big names down there. I think they already – LSU's starting quarterback just entered the transfer portal. The starting wide receiver entered the transfer portal. And I think Notre Dame only lost – they only had one guy that was – decommitted but he might actually still be going back i'm not sure if that's true or not but everything else that notre dame stayed stable with which is great so um as far as the whole brian kelly thing that i, I think you wait a week it would have been a classier way to to do it i think people still would have been upset that he left but i i would have been like eh, i get it but I, that's my take Ernest. What, what's your take on that like do you think he should have waited a week i get the whole recruiting thing but let's take that out well uh you know I say to LSU, $10 million a year doesn't bring you class. You know, this is the first Notre Dame coach to leave the football program since 1908. That was before Newt Rockney actually started playing football at wide receiver for Notre Dame. Back then, Archduke Ferdinand was still playing bingo in his castle in Austria-Hungary. As for all you World War I fans, okay? I mean, it's, it's, it's telling. This is a guy that chased money. And not only did the starting quarterback enter the portal, the backup quarterback, who was the quarterback the year before, Miles Brennan, he also entered the portal. I mean, he's going into a buzzsaw. He's going to be the same division with A&M, Auburn, Alabama. I mean, he's going to have to get ready. He's got three losses a year right off the bat. That's and I did hear you said the the backup was gone too, so I heard that the only – scholarship quarterback they have on the roster at LSU if he plays I guess in the bowl game he's he loses his red shirt yeah yeah and it's like oh man that's kind of brutal to play one game just to literally lose a whole year of eligibility so well, what are you doing that but they they think they're gonna get Manning's nephew uh Peyton Eli's nephew who is the number one college quarterback prospect he's probably going to georgia he ain't going to lsu it was it was uh, georgia or alabama there's a big surprise and he's probably going to georgia so he he's going to a depleted team he's going to be in a situation where he'll be in the middle of the pack but he'll still cash his check for 10 million dollars a year see and i don't think it was all about the money I think the money helped, but I don't think it was all about the money. I think he liked that there was less restrictions at LSU. He could get, and I don't mean to sound this rude, he can get any player act that academically is eligible, I guess, um, to play there where he doesn't have that luxury at Notre Dame, which I think is a restriction on Notre Dame. It's a good quality Notre Dame has, but it's it's definitely a restriction. They can't get, they could get a guy that they really want. It's like, oh, your grades aren't up to snuff, so we can't, we can't offer you the scholarship. You can't come here. 
unless but, you get but, grades up, but they can go to any other program that's going to let them, you know, outside of the Ivy League that's probably going to let them in. So. But, Nate, he's going away from a schedule which, to be generous, was ACC heavy, which means it was relatively weak, to a, to a buzzsaw. I mean, in a couple of years, he'll be facing Texas and Oklahoma, not to mention the crossover games with Georgia and Florida. I mean, he's not going to last linked to that contract. Well, look at this. No, eight. no way. I don't, there's no way he's lasting. He might leave before it goes, but I. This is, this is a crowd that ran off a coach after he won a national championship two years later. I mean. Well, there's uh, other stuff going on with that. Saban left him to go to the pros. Less I miles, mean, baby. Less miles got into trouble there, and that's why it cost him a job at Kansas. And now he's eating grass on his own without a TV camera on it. <laughs> I mean, it's just a troubled program. It's a it's a step through for another job. That's what it's been the last few coaches. And, but if and, Saban and Odron and Miles can all win national championships there, you know you're going to get plenty of talent. Oh, talent, Louisiana. Yeah, he'll, he'll be able to get his talent. I'm not. That's not that. It's just. But I, I don't think he ever beat Saban. I, I can't imagine he ever beat Saban. At least in a game that's meaningful. I don't think he'll be. He'll be. will beat Fisher. And I have my doubts about him beating Auburn. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's he's that's not a very attractive place to go retire or have your last job at in that respect. And he's not a pro coach. So predict I mean, how many he, years Kelly's going to be in that contract. Five to four. Five to four? Four to five? five? Four to five, five to four at tops. I say three. I think I think LSU gets impatient after year two. Yeah. He's on the hot man. seat all year three, and then he's out. Do we need I, wagers I, out between you two that hasn't been settled yet? Yes, I'm still waiting for my jersey. But, you know, did you hear that, oh, God, awful speech he gave at halftime at the LSU basketball With game? a fake southern accent. A family. Hey, Granny, we moving up. I mean, God, don't patronize, okay? Keep your Boston accent and stay what you are. I mean. But you know what? He, we liked him at Notre Dame. We liked him as fans, but we always had that, can he ever win a big game? Because every bowl, big bowl game we went to, we always lost. Every playoff we went to, we always lost. Last championship against Alabama, we, you know, it, it was always a knock on him. Um, sure. I mean, the game they played against Alabama, what, in 2012, I want to say now? Um, when they didn't, have a, they didn't have a semifinal, it was just this, you know, the championship. Yeah. You could tell from the first possession, Notre Dame wasn't going to win. That was, that was definitely the Alabama offensive line just overpowered us. We could tell that was it. Um, so he's had time to do that, but he's kept us like, you know, relevant. But even like the big bowl games we're in, he's, we're not winning anything. Oh, we win the Music City Bowl. Okay. <laughs> but we're not winning like a, the New Year's Six Bowl. We're not winning anything. So, um, how many games into the season where he gets that red face that you saw when he first started at Notre Dame? Uh, I want to say like five. I want to say five before he gets that because he, he first worked at the SEC conference game. He works on it. He worked on his demeanor. That was something that happened that I was like, okay, I, I definitely see that, but I could see that coming back, especially after eating some of that Southern food. Well, let's there. talk about Houston. Oklahoma now after losing their Lincoln Riley. I have a theory that once LSU lost Riley or realized they didn't have him, they pressured Kelly to take it as soon as he did. And I think that's why Nate, he took it as early as he did, but Lincoln, it's not that. I'm just saying that Kelly should had a, you know, he should have been a little bit more classier about oh, it and definitely. said, no, I got to wait a week. 
I got to wait a week. I got to see if my team's in this playoff. No, he had I to get over a makeover, a nice haircut, different clothes, learn Southern accent. That's what he was doing. Anyways, Lincoln Riley going out to USC. Ernest, why don't you take this one? Did you see this coming? And did you read the article about the Oklahoma State Senator who wants to name three feet of their highway after Lincoln Riley? The Lincoln Riley. I've been dealing, I know a couple of Oklahoma fans, and I've been dealing with them this week. You know, Brent Venables was a coach there. He'll do a pretty good job. I mean, their bigger concern is going to the SEC where they're not going to be the big the big sister and all the little teams like they have in the Big 12. I mean, I'm a little surprised Lincoln Riley, but he's probably walking into the best situation. Uh, he's getting all the recruits to go with him, which helps also. Uh, you know, you look back and you look at that uh, game against Oklahoma State where the kid fumbled the ball inside the five-yard line, the transfer from Tennessee, and you wonder – was Lincoln thinking of leaving after he knew he wouldn't get a Big 12 championship game? I think this has been done for a while. I mean, they've criticized him. It's similar situation like Notre Dame with their ex-coach. They were able to pull the trigger. The closest they had was the game against Georgia in the Rose Bowl where well, it was 50-49 to 49 with Baker Mayfield. I mean, they're the great quarterbacks, but I think he reached – as far as he can go with Oklahoma and with USC is the prime job though. He'll get time. He'll have time to recruit and he could dominate that conference and bring it back to glory. So I, I know it, it's strange that you don't get, I mean, locally in Oklahoma folks get a lot of negative feelings, but I think Venables will go there. They got the offensive coordinator from Old Miss I mean, Oklahoma will be okay. Like I said, their big worry is when they join the SEC, and they're just another Ole Miss or Mississippi State compared to Alabama and Georgia and Florida and Auburn. I, I yeah, I, I don't mind that that move that Lincoln Riley made. Um, I think USC is definitely a premier organiz, uh, you know, premier school. So I think that's a good. That that was a good move for him. I get that. Like you're moving from Middle America to the coast. I mean, that's that's got some appeal. Where Brian Kelly's going from Midwest to you know the southern, essentially southern Midwest, I guess almost. Um, but I like Lincoln Riley's move better than Brian Kelly's move. I think that's a good spot for Lincoln Riley. Um, I think he also was kind of always under Bob Stoops' shadow too. I think the kind of here was there was always people comparing him to that since obviously he was part of that staff too, but I, I don't know. I, I like it. I think it's a good, I think that's a good move. Um, and I think the, the hiring of the defensive coordinator from Clemson for Oklahoma is interesting too. Like that's, I think everybody was talking about him making the move to be a head coach soon and they never knew what was going to happen. So I think Clemson having a down year, that made it a lot easier for him to go too. Um, it's not like Clemson was on the verge of the play, you know, the, the playoff and then the, he left that that's different, but. And in the interest of honesty, I have to admit that I do know the assistant coach under um, Lincoln Riley, that's Ruffin McNeil. We used to play basketball together. And, and Ruffin was given a bad deal at ECU, and he's going with Lincoln to USC. So I'm a little prejudiced there, but I will admit my prejudice is that respect. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that one day, you know, the great rivalry day, the Bedlam day, when you have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, that was a phenomenal game and of course Michigan Ohio State was a phenomenal game as far as I'm concerned but 
you know, Georgia, Alabama, what a great day of college football. And college football is all great, but for a Phoenix Cardinal, Arizona Cardinal fan, this is a pretty good year as well. So, Nate, I know your, your, your Irish didn't achieve everything you hoped for this year, but gosh, you got to be feeling pretty good about your Cardinals. I mean, I, I'm not. I don't know if I'm feeling pretty good, but I'm excited for the Cardinals. Um, trying it's to okay keep my to feel good, Nate. It's okay. Emotions in check. Let it go, that. man. I mean, it's hey, it's it's the Arizona sports fans' curse. We have one championship. That was the Diamondbacks of the major sports. We were in the finals last this earlier this year with the Suns. They went up 2-0 and lost. So, I'm telling you, it's it's one of those like cautious, you know, cautious optimism. I guess is what it is. But um, you know, I, I think that when Kyler Murray went down and they put Colt McCoy in, and he won what two out of four games. I mean, three out of four games like that. That was impressive. Um, that's something that I kind of was like, okay, now you know this is where he started a losing streak, and they they weathered weathered the storm. Him and Hopkins were out, and we were still able to win those games, which was great. Um, we lost the one to, to the Packers and I, you know, that was, that was a close game that could have gone either way. Um, so it's not like it was a blowout and you know, it, it's, so it, it is exciting. Um, you know, I, am out here on the East coast, so it's hard for me to watch the game, the Cardinals when I can, um, I try to watch, I mean, obviously I watch the Thursday night football with the Packers, but otherwise I try to watch red zone cause then I get to see a lot of the Cardinals plays. But what do you, what do you guys think is, as far as the Cardinals, what, what are your thoughts on the Cardinals? It'd be good to get somebody that's not biased like me. It's amazing the lack of publicity that they have gotten because you ask most people on the street, they would pick the Packers as the, the team to beat in the NFC. I don't think they are now, even though I picked them at the beginning of the year. It's, it's, it's again, and I don't know if it's the fact that they play on the West Coast and they don't get on TV that much. One national game so far this year. And even with the ability to change the schedules, Sunday Night Football has not picked them up for a game. I mean, they do have the Cowboy game. That'll be nationally watched. And I think that's the next to last game of the season. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I think... We end with a division rival. I forget who it is. Yeah, but yeah. We, so that'll that'll be national. But I think, it's it's again, it's out of sight, out of mind for a lot of individuals unless you have Red Zone or unless you do have access to all the games. They just... I can, I can tell you ESPN, I don't think, likes the Cardinals because outside of the year that they had the first-round pick, they always go to commercial when it's the Cardinals pick. Always, always, always in the draft. Like, I cannot tell you. You see it say the pick pick is in and the Cardinals logo, and it's always on a commercial. I wish they would have started taking pictures of that because that is outside of the year number one took money. It's every, every They do that to Panthers too, Nate. We're low media centers, okay? That's it's Dallas in the media centers. That's where we're, but yeah, I mean, but guys, I got to tell you Monday night, I saw one of the best coaching jobs I've seen in years and, and Belichick. And I kept watching and, you know, they only threw one pass and, and until the fourth pit, the fourth quarter and Belichick, basically what he did was he had noticed that when the Colts beat the bills in Buffalo, that uh, the young running back just ran between tackles. So he brought in an extra offensive lineman and they just ran between the tackles the entire game. And they didn't have to worry. Everybody's question was, well, how's a rookie quarterback going to handle a high pressure game? And it's their defense. That's how they've won most of the year. Mac Jones has pretty much been a caretaker. I mean, they haven't had, he hasn't had to win a game for them. 
but Belichick did one of the best jobs in coaching that I've seen. It was just so unreal. And then I'm old enough to remember a Super Bowl where only eight passes were thrown by the winning team. That was the 73 World uh, Super Bowl. That was the, the Dolphins and the Vikings down in Houston. So this is old school 70s football. And he just ran between the tackles. It wasn't a sweeps. It wasn't a crossbuck. There were a few reverses in there. But Belichick just stuck to his plan. And it was it was fascinating, one of the most fascinating games I've watched in years. And you gotta say the Patriots are the favorite in the AFC now. To have home yeah. field. I mean, could you imagine if it's the Patriots and the AFC and the Bucks win the NFC? I mean, that now you got the whole I think people would be sick of it, but it's just like, okay, well, Brady oh, showed no, he could win no. a Super Bowl without Belichick. Now Belichick's about to show he could win a Super Bowl without Brady. I mean I don't think they'd be sick of it. It's, it's kind of like, remember the year the uh, Patriots went 17-0 and and they played the they Giants. Lost. The last game of the season was on Saturday night. They moved it, opened it up, and then they wound up playing each other in the Super Bowl. No, I think this would be one of the highest ratings all time. Mm. I think people would love to see. And it's it's fascinating how quickly Belichick has done this. Everybody at the beginning of the year was picking Buffalo and the Chiefs and the AFC. And Belichick quietly made some great picks on defense, free agency, made some great draft picks, took the quarterback that dropped that we all thought that the Bears and the Panthers and the 49ers, that was a big rumor, 49ers were going to take Mac Jones. Everybody saw him in the senior bowl. They thought he was going to be the dominant. And Belichick has quietly rebuilt this. I mean, you, you, you can't go wrong betting with Saban and Belichick. They're they're essentially the same type of individual, and yeah. they just win. I mean, it's, I know it's frustrating to people. I mean, you can just see the frustration on Buffalo and the late hits they were making, but they had no answer for it. They were putting eight guys in the box. They were putting nine guys. They were putting both safeties and playing them as linebackers, and it was still right through the right again, right up the middle, and first and four. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, was. I mean, it was. It was impressive. I mean, um, I think some people thought it was boring, and they interviewed what Jeff Saturday. I think Tuesday morning, and he said he loved it because obviously he's a lineman, right? Like that was that was great for them. I ended up watching the game with two Buffalo fans. Mine oh, and I, bad. Oh my. They, were, they were they were having a hard time. Um, it, it, but, again, I love line play. When I watch a game on TV, I, I put the zoom where I can watch because the line will tell you what's going to happen if they step back. It's a pass play. If they, you know, if they push forward, it's a rush play. You can see the guards pulling the tackles. I love line play. To me, that's that tells you what the game's going to be. That tells you what the play is going to be. And that was just great line play, offensive and defensive by the Patriots. It was truly, truly fascinating and one of the most enjoyable. I mean, a lot of people want to see the 50 to 49 games. I'd like to see the games with the actual strategy in that respect. And, and. The Lions won a game. The coach Yeah, Paul, let's, let's talk it, about that, Paul. But both coaches almost gave that away. Yeah, I actually saw that. I was actually watching the game. I was so bored. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and basically, I think the Minnesota Vikings coach should be fired. They've kept him on for year after year, and Cousins has never impressed me that much. And they basically gave our coach, our wild card coach, another chance, and Goff finally threw a good ball, and hey, 
it was all done in in honor and memory of the tragic shooting, unfortunately, in Michigan. So there was a lot of um, meaning to that game. And, you know, I know it's just a one-game NFL season, um, but it was nice to see some good things happen uh, to the Lions. And, um, yeah, so we're moving ahead with the NFL season, too. And when you guys were talking about the Cardinals, <clears throat> I see this sort of uh, fascination and and the media doesn't know what to do with Kyler Murray. Because sometimes he's phenomenal and he looks like the best quarterback ever, and then he gets injured. And I saw ESPN had an article like, is Kyler Murray the best quarterback ever to come out of Texas? I'm like, what? Really? I, I mean, there's so many good quarterbacks that have come out of Texas. So I think that's part of the, I guess people don't want to get on the bandwagon with the Cardinals because they're not sure he's going to stay healthy. Uh, I think he's a great guy. He has a lot of ability. But anytime you're that height, and you're prone to injury, I think everybody's a little cautious. So if it's not yeah, the Cardinals, think, who else is going to make it? Think? Well, I think that that kind of simplifies the message, and that's what the media does. They try to simplify the message to fit a 10-minute. But I think it's the defense. I think James Conner, who's a cancer survivor, is doing a great job at running back for them. Absolutely. I, I think their linebacking core is probably one of the best in the NFL – but if you simplify it to just the quarterback, that's that's more media driven. I mean, people who know the NFL ha- has seen the, the quality of talent on that team. It's not a one man team. You got probably the best set of linebackers, best set of wide receivers in the NFL. I mean, he and we has have a new tight end, Zach Ertz. Yeah, I mean, that's that was huge. Yeah, again, there's talent on the team beyond Kyler Murray. Now, I'm not belittling him. But if you make it all about him, I think that's that's not exactly fair to the rest of the team. And I think the coach doesn't get the credit either. I mean, everybody was saying he was number one candidate to go to Oklahoma, and I, to me, that's a step down. Now, they haven't done it in the playoffs yet, and that, that's the next step. That's the logical right. progression. But to say it's just Kyler Murray is is puts the onus and kind of ignores the rest of that team. But Nate knows that better than me. I just ripped off some names for you. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we had J.J. Watt over there with um, Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones is amazing. And, I mean, when J.J. When Watt went down, it's like, oh, man, this take, it's going to take a hit. And they kept going. And now J.J. Watt, I think he's, he might be able to come back for the last game and the playoffs, which would be you know great, even if they just rotate him in, right, not even if he plays every down. Um, but there's, there seems to be some good, like, leadership on the team. Um, you know, I, I – I really, I've, I've never been sold on Kingsbury yet. I, I hope, I hope I'm wrong. I, I'd love to see him win. Um, I'd like to give him a chance, but um, you know, he's got Vance Joseph over there as his defensive coordinator. So it's it, people have kind of been saying like <coughs> co-coaches, like they're just basically two different coaches under, you know, you have an offensive coach and a defensive coach. Like it's, it's really like co-coaching instead of having a head coach and a defensive coordinator kind of thing. But, but um, Paul, but I mean, with Murray, I, I, I guess it's it's tough because I, I really want to like the guy. I just I don't know if he's got the it factor when it comes to the playoffs. I don't know if he's got that what it takes to win a game in a playoff, especially like a clutch game. I hope, like I said, I hope I'm dead wrong because obviously we had the you know the Hale Murray game last year against Buffalo, but again that was a regular season game. That was a lot of luck, obviously too. Um, but I, I mean, I want him to succeed for the sheer fact that he's on the Cardinals, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm not sold yet. I don't know if that's 
that's the thing. He's a great regular season quarterback. I'm just not sold on him yet. The sitting in the corner is the Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year and the defending champs, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Even though they're not going to have A.B. Brown, uh, Brown's not going to be playing wide receiver for a while, but they are defending champs. And remember, they played mediocre until they got hot right after Thanksgiving last year. So, I mean, the, the NFC is very interesting to the fact that you got the Cardinals – you don't know what you have with the Rams with their all-star team. The Packers, I think, don't the Packers have home field advantage right now? Don't they have the number one? No, yeah. Cardinals do. Oh, Cardinals, Cardinals have number one seed. Okay, all right. You got By the one Cowboys. Game, one game, but if if the Cardinals and Packers are the same um, record, obviously the Packers are the tiebreaker for head-to-head. And you got the Cowboys who are getting healthy at this time. So the, the NFC, I, I think I see some separation. From the, the playoff teams, I don't see it in the AFC. I mean, the AFC is just a mess unless uh, unless the Chiefs have solved their defensive problems. But but Belichick looks the best. I mean, right now, I know I said at the end of the year, Titans and Packers, and if Henry didn't go down, I'd still stick with that. And if he can come back for the playoffs, they have a chance. But right now, I'd have to say Belichick and Brady part two for the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't think people really want to see. I mean, you're right. The ratings for something like that. I think the storyline for ESPN would be great, but I think some people might be like, "Ugh, I'm sick of, yeah, you know, Belichick. I'm sick of Brady. Now I got to see both of them." Yeah, um, yeah, but it feeds to that myth of who really was uh, the driving force in that dynasty. Was it Belichick's coaching or was it Brady's talent? And mm-hmm. I think everybody gave it to Brady before this year and. The, the job that Belichick's going, people are kind of hedging their bets a little bit. If Brady I, I, won another Super Bowl, that 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 would end it. That would be the conclusion. Yeah, I mean, I I, I get it. I, I think I think they it was a good it was a good partnership they had in New England. I think they both made each other better, and um, I think that's kind of what it is. I don't think there's anything real like competition. Um, when it comes to that, I I just think they, they both helped each other and they both showing that they could do it without each other too. So, you know, they I think they they wouldn't probably change the time they had together because they made each other better. And, you know, now that they're apart, I think they're both succeeding, both successful. Um, I love Bruce Arians. I was so excited when the Bucks won, mainly for him, because he was a Cardinals coach, but just just a good a good guy. Um, you like to see that. Um so now it's like, okay, the Bucks have one. I don't I'm not rooting for them anymore. And obviously the Cardinals, if they're relevant, they can get, if they get to the Super Bowl again. That was, that was pretty cool a few years ago when they did that against, I mean, until they played the Steelers in the last two minutes and Santonio Holmes, whatever. We'll, yeah. We won't talk about how he only, <laughs> uh, don't, in, don't but. reopen that wound. I, okay. <laughs> All right. We're almost getting to the end of our podcast. And before I turn to Ernest for his final good minutes, I want to congratulate Ernest and his family for a new baby boy born to his son, Justin, uh, and Ernest can tell you his name, weight, uh, future college pick, and all those statistics. Ernest, congratulations. Thank you. His name is Sterling Clifford Watts. Clifford was my father's name to honor him. And they're big fans of the TV show Archer. No, they're not really. They just like the name Sterling in that respect. <laughs> but uh, I got two. two shout no, what, co- what, what, what college is he going to? Oh, he's going to Carolina. He's going to Carolina. No, <laughs> no. His mother is a graduate of ECU, so that may possess problems. But we'll 
I got time to work on that. Two quick shout outs, real quick like. Uh, one serious, one not so serious. Let's go with the serious one first. Uh, yesterday marked the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And every year passes, we have fewer and fewer individuals who uh, uh, were there at that time and fewer and few people that, that remember it. My father was a child of 18 when it happened, and uh, he learned coming home from church Sunday. But as uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt talked about, it was a day that will live in infamy. And as our generation remembers 9-11 and the younger generations will remember COVID, to my father's generation, uh, Tom Brokaw called it the greatest generation. They will never forget December 7th, 1941. And neither shall we, even though that was something in our history. Now, my second shout out. This is pretty neat. Uh, Tiger Woods is coming back. He's going to play his first tournament with his son. And those of us who had the opportunity to play with our sons and play golf, Nate's kids aren't old enough yet, but Paul and I have both played golf with our sons. And I don't know about Paul, but my sons are so much better than me. It's pathetic. Uh, that's pretty neat to play in a, a, a regulation tournament. And so I hope this, this is the next stage for Tiger, who says he'll never play an entire year of the tour again. But it's, it's good to hear that he's recovered enough, and I hope, uh, I hope this experience goes well for him and his son. Nate, your final thoughts. Well, yeah, Ernest, definitely, uh, definitely good stuff there, especially um, remembering Pearl Harbor. I got to visit it once. Obviously, one of the battleships that went down is the USS Arizona. Um, yeah, it's it's the World War II is definitely my uh, my most. I don't want to say favorite because it sounds wrong, but um, the one I'm most interested in the World World War uh, that I'm most interested in. So I always like learning about um, World War II. Uh, I, both my grandparents were involved. My my grandmother was a nurse in World War II, and my uh, grandfather worked on a battleship, not at Pearl Harbor, but um, he was part of the war. So I actually have an old bullet that he pulled out of a plane, a Japanese bullet that hit one of the planes, and he took it out with like tweezers or something. So I have that somewhere. Uh, but yes, yeah, always good to kind of remember that, especially with with so many folks that are um, obviously passing away that have they were, you know, there and fought for our country for World War II. We, we really appreciate those guys um, and gals. But uh, I think for the a fun one, I'll kind of say uh, I volunteer on this board locally here, and we did something fun last night. We found out about this family um, from somebody else who can adopt a family. So we had a board meeting last night. I interrupted it and said, all right, guys, we got all these gift cards. Let's go to Target and buy stuff for these kids. Um, it was really, really fun. Um, to do stuff like that. So I, I would just, you know, recommend if, if you see any of those things out there, there's Toys for Tots. There's a lot of programs out there, especially with the COVID uh, that's passed. Um, you know, if you get a chance to, you know, even if it's just buy one gift for a family, but, you know, those giving trees, anything like that, like, you know, just, you know, maybe skip the coffee a couple times this month and, and buy, a, buy a toy for people that are less fortunate. It really would mean the world to them. I know you won't see them. Um, their face on Christmas morning, but it, it really will make a difference. Um, so I would just suggest doing that because I think this is our uh, last podcast before Christmas. Otherwise, I'm really excited for Christmas. We're going to have a lot of family coming to visit. Uh, my niece's first Christmas will be here in Connecticut, so a little Christmas in Connecticut. So, uh, you know, just, just excited that we can have kind of Christmas, hopefully, you know, uh, again. We'll see what this new variant does, but 
Uh, I'm just just excited for that because I know it was kind of a bummer last year um, not being able to see everybody for Christmas. So it's going to be exciting to see more family, have more family here. And um, yeah, so Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Back to you, Paul. Hey, hey, Nate, quick trivia yeah. question. Do you know who directed the last remake of Christmas in Connecticut? I have no idea. I haven't even seen it. I've, I've been told to watch it. I haven't seen it. I've heard there's a I'm supposed to watch the older version. The uh, last remake well, was directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes. Have you seen it, Ernest? Is it good? It, I've heard. Oh, the, it's 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 all right. It's you know a holiday movie. It's hey now remember my favorite two Christmas movies are Die Hard and Gremlins. So I don't know Die if Hard. really I'm the person to ask. I was just about to ask Paul before you go to yours. What's your favorite Christmas movie, or if you have two Christmas movies? Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. I'll stick to that's that. That's not one. a movie. That's a special. Hey, are, yeah, we, we'll, are there we'll, rules to this game? Well, no. yeah. No, What's your second can, favorite? Bring uh, us sit down for more than an hour. What are you gonna watch? No, more than an hour. Now we're getting to it. Yeah, uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Which version? Old one. Old fashioned. Oh, okay. All right. So, so for my I like five, the Christmas Vacation and Elf for kind of my two. Oh, but yeah, I do Christmas like Die Vacations Hard. And I have to watch Die Hard. At How this can point. you not love Die Hard and Gremlins? The Die ultimate Christmas I love that. movie. And Gremlins too. Sorry, All right, no. guys. My, my final thoughts are: I for Christmas, Ernest. I hope that Santa brings you a ACC championship for your Tar Heels. Renee, hope Santa brings you a great playoff run for your Cardinals. Let's go Super Bowl for the Cardinals. And for Lions, that they win one more game. So, for Ernest Watts and for, Paul, for Nate Moyer, this is Paul Arnold. Thanks for listening. Any comments, questions, critiques? We'll, we can take it. Send it to me, gobluearnold at gmail.com. Have a good night. <laughs>